You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is on the episode phone. Here, sixty-eight. We the podcast. Yeah. 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 Sports Podcast presented by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Friday, February seventeenth, two thousand twenty-three. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for a jam-packed Friday edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And when I tell you we got a lot to talk about, we got ourselves a lot to talk about on today's show. Here's what you need to know about this Friday show. We're going to open the big story in college basketball. Chris Beard, former Texas head coach, had been fired. Well, Charges were dropped for him. You know, the, the, the criminal charges were dropped on Wednesday. And the immediate question now becomes, is this guy going to coach again? And when will it happen? Not saying it should happen, but will it happen? I think it will. We'll discuss all that. We'll talk a little bit about some of these scores over the last few nights. Obviously, the big notable score, number one, Alabama loses. What does it all mean? From there, we'll take a quick break. One college football story that I do think is worth talking about. Notre Dame has been looking for an offensive coordinator over the last couple of weeks. Who it is, I don't think it is important. What is important, though, is how they got there. And I'll just tell you this. Notre Dame wants to be a big boy. They did not act like a big boy this week. I'll explain all that. And then finally, we will wrap with America's favorite podcast segment, Friday staple of the show, Aaron Right, Aaron Wrong. A lot to get into today. Busy Friday show. So let's not waste any more time. And with that said... Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, there is a mega story in college basketball over the last couple of days. Chris Beard, the head coach formerly of the University of Texas, was fired in January after being arrested in December on criminal domestic assault charges. Okay, felony domestic assault charges. Well, on Wednesday... Those charges were officially dropped by the, uh, the 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 alleged victim, Chris Beard's fiance. And as soon as those charges were dropped, the question becomes very straightforward. Will Chris Beard ever coach college basketball again? And so I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'll give you exactly what I think. And then we'll kind of get into the details and the context behind everything. Um, but I'll tell you this. When Chris Beard was arrested, 
when Chris Beard was fired. I said I thought he would never coach college basketball again. Well, here we are two months later, and I think that's something. Whether you agree or disagree, it's not really what matters in my opinion. But I do believe that Chris Beard probably will coach college basketball again. And so let's get into it. Let's talk about it. And obviously, a quick disclaimer. The next six, seven, eight minutes, whatever this ends up being, we're going to talk about some very serious things. Um, You know, very serious things. So be cognizant of who is listening with you. I don't know if you're in the car with family or friends, but keep that in mind because let's be blunt. There's going to be some serious topics to discuss going forward. Keep that in mind. But details that you need to know, and we don't have to get into all of them, but I I want to make sure, you know, you guys and girls have context. But as I said, Chris Beard, very successful college basketball coach. Some saw him as one of the probably three or four best coaches in college basketball. On December 12th, we all woke up to a police report that he had been arrested. And as I just said, charged with felony domestic assault. We all remember where we were and what we we saw when we saw him walking out of a courthouse in handcuffs, in a jumpsuit, uh, with a mask on. We all realized this was really bad. He was put on administrative leave, uh, and he was ultimately fired in early January. And like I said, when this all happened, I said, point blank, end of story, I don't think this guy ever coaches college basketball again. So the question becomes, why did I feel that way? Well, it was really two reasons. The first one, all you had to do was go read the police report, okay? I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a criminal defense expert. But what I said at the time was this. Even if this young woman, the accuser, eventually drops charges, which unfortunately in a lot of cases like this, that often happens. But even if she drops the charges, the police report has a lot of very gruesome details on what happened. And I didn't think Chris Beard would ever be able to shake those details. One, as I said at the time, Both sides in the police report agree there was an incident. Now, Chris Beard has a different version than his fiance, but at the end of the day, if they both agree there's an incident, it's hard to shake that. Chris Beard can't claim he wasn't there, can't claim he didn't see anything, can't claim he didn't do anything. They both agree that something did happen. But then more importantly, and I thought this was a proverbial, and I'm not being literal, but a proverbial smoking gun. There were marks on this woman. There were bite marks. There were scratches. There were cuts on her face. And I just said at the time, that is going to be something, again, that I think sticks with Chris Beard forever. Obviously, the police report alleged that he choked her, that he threw her on the floor. Again, very serious issues. But as I said, Chris Beard can't, whether Chris Beard claims this or whether his fiance claims this or whether the charges are dropped. The bottom line is those two things really stood out to me. One, they both agree that some sort of incident happened. And two, at the end of the day, she had in the police report, according to the police report, marks on her that that kind of indicated that some kind of domestic incident happened. And so at the time, I said, point blank, end of story, I don't think this guy will ever coach again for two simple reasons. One, it's going to be very hard for any athletic director to sell to his school president, to a board of trustees, to prominent alums, to boosters, to everyone in the community that Chris Beard should be the face of a major university, okay? That Chris Beard should be the face of a major university, not after this incident. Two, I thought and to a degree still think it's going to be really hard for him to recruit 
as the face of a university because he's going to have to go into homes of young men and he's going to have to look every mom in the eye and dad too, but mostly mom in the eye and explain what happened, what really happened and why they should trust him with their son. So at the time in December and in January, I said, he's never going to coach again because I don't believe that a school will allow him to be the face of the university after what he was alleged. But then two, I think even if they wanted to, it's going to be so hard to sell in recruiting. How do you go into a home? How do you tell mom, mom, I'm going to turn your son from a boy to a man. You know what mom's going to say? Mom say, you better not. He better not turn out like you. I'm not sending him to you. And so at the time, that was how I really felt. But I will say this, as time has gone on, Things have changed. I've already heard from multiple fans, multiple fan bases, people in the athletic space. Now, I'll say this. I don't think most ADs like him. I don't think most ADs like the idea of hiring him. And I will tell you, the the people in the coaching community, I don't believe have very much respect for this guy. I've talked to two or three guys that are just like, it makes me sick. I have daughters. I have a wife. I have a mother, whatever. I have granddaughters in some cases. The fact that this guy is going to get an opportunity makes my skin crawl. But as I always say on this show, there's a difference between what could happen, what should happen, and what will happen. On top of that, there's a difference between what I would do and what somebody else would do. And as time has gone on, I do feel like Chris Beard is going to coach yet. Now, listen, personally, if it was me, I probably wouldn't hire him. And I'm not here to sit here on my high horse and say I'm perfect and I've never made a mistake and I can do no wrong. But I do think there's a difference between I've made mistakes and this guy, according again to a police report, it's not my opinion. I didn't read it on a message board. This guy put his hands on a woman to the degree that it left marks on her. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking. Torres, you've defended other people. You said that you believe that other people are allowed to work. And I do believe it. Like, listen, Chris Beard's allowed to have a job. I just wouldn't personally hire him. And I think it's important at this moment in time to differentiate between Chris Beard and some other prominent college coaches. Because whenever I bring this up, people are say, well, Torres, you're defending Rick Pitino and you're saying Rick Pitino should be hired by St. John's. And what I would say is this, Rick Pitino, what we know, what Rick Pitino himself is guilty of, He had an extramarital affair in a restaurant, mind you, but an extramarital affair. That is not a criminal offense. Now, some of the recruiting stuff, I'm not saying I encourage it. And I'm not saying that in my heart of heart, I don't believe that Rick Pitino really did not know what's going on. But according to the facts that we have, Rick Pitino wasn't involved in that recruiting stuff. And the personal stuff is personal stuff. I might not like it. I might not want, you know, my daughter, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't want her to marry him or marry someone like him. But there's a difference between what Rick Pitino did and what is in the police report that Chris Beard is alleged to have done, even if the charges are dropped. Same with Bobby Petrino. There's a big difference between screwing up your personal life and criminal charges that are ultimately dropped. Same with Hugh Freeze. I could go on and on. But there is a big difference between that and what Chris Beard was accused of, what what was in the police report surrounding this Chris Beard stuff. And so if it was just personally me, 
I probably wouldn't hire him. And I do think there's going to be a lot of ADs that say, I can't, not this one. You guys and girls, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to go in another direction. But as I always say, in any incident like this, when it involves a prominent coach, it only takes one AD and this guy has won a lot. I think that's something that we do kind of have to separate whether we want to or not. On the court, he's a heck of a coach, right? It's kind of staggering. Eight years as a college head coach. NCAA tournament was canceled in 2020. Um, But this was year number eight for him. In the previous seven, five NCAA tournaments, it would have been six, but 2020 COVID was canceled. Won an NCAA tournament game at Little Rock. Took Texas Tech to two Elite Eights and a Final Four in 2019. Texas is a team good enough to win the national championship this year. He is really, really, really good. And so I do believe somebody is going to give him a chance. Now, I think the two interesting questions, if you want to put aside what he is, what was in the police report, what he is accused of doing, and the basketball perspective of it, I think what's interesting is two things. One, does he get a coaching job this coaching cycle? And two, does he have to go to the low major route as opposed to the high major route to begin with? In other words, you know, Hugh Freeze ended up at Liberty after his situation. Bobby Petrino started at Western Kentucky after his situation. And so, again, I'm not dismissing what happened. I'm not even saying that I would hire him if I was in charge. But we have to accept the reality that he is going to be hired at some point. And I think from that perspective, those are the interesting questions. Does he start at a low major and build himself back up? Or does he go straight to the high major level? And how soon does it happen? Now, how soon does it happen? I don't know if it'll be this year. I don't know if any AD will will have the interest in doing it. But even if an AD has the interest in doing it, again, I don't know if he'll get a sign-off from a school president, from a board of trustees, from his big donors, or her big donors, obviously, whoever. So there's that element of it. I don't know if it's going to be this year, and I would add this year, the jobs that are going to potentially open probably don't make that much sense for 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 Chris Beard, right? Like Georgetown's going to open. I don't see Chris Beard at Georgetown in Washington D.C. Georgia Tech's probably almost certainly going to open. I don't see Chris Beard at a, a at an engineering school in Atlanta. Um, Cal Berkeley, Cal is going to open. Don't see that one for Chris Beard. University of Washington is probably going to open. Don't see that one for Chris Beard. So I don't know if it's going to be this year. I I just think it's probably too soon. And I don't think the jobs that are going to open have any interest in getting in the Chris Beard business. I will say this, though. You start to look at what jobs could potentially be open at this time next year or or February, March of 2024. That's a different deal altogether. Think about some of the jobs that could open up next year. Kenny Payne. And Nick Coffey talked about this on the show last week. Now, he didn't talk about Chris Beard. I don't want to put words in Nick Coffey's mouth. But Nick Coffey covers Louisville on a day-to-day basis. And if Kenny Payne doesn't significantly improve next year, they are the, literally, Nick laid it out, the worst Power 5, Power 6 team in the history of the Ken Pomeroy era. So we're talking 20-plus years. They're the worst Power 5 team, Power 6 team. If Kenny Payne doesn't improve significantly in the next year, I think he's probably getting fired next year, two and done. They'll give him till this offseason, but if he doesn't hit the portal hard and he doesn't flip this roster quick and he doesn't show major signs of improvement, I don't think he's back next year. 
Can I see Louisville hiring Kenny Payne? Now, I know they have a checkered past. Uh, I know Tom Jurich was the guy that hired Bobby Petrino and Rick, Rick Petino and stood by Rick Petino with the first incident and, and, and rehired Bobby Petrino. So I don't know if, if, if the new AD would, but is it inconceivable after whiffing on Chris Mack and whiffing on Kenny Payne? I could see it happening. Give you another one. LSU. The fans are already growing restless with Matt McMahon. We've had Matt McMahon on the show. I like Matt McMahon. Seems like a good guy. I don't know him well, but it's not working. They're in last place in the SEC right now. Behind Ole Miss, behind Georgia, behind whoever. Pick your worst team. Vanderbilt, LSU is worse. And LSU, remember, you can criticize Will Wade for whatever you want. They made a bunch of NCAA tournaments under Will Wade. They made an NCAA tournament last year with an interim head coach after Will Wade had been fired. LSU, Scott Woodward, I could see him potentially biting the bullet and saying, this is the best coach I'm ever going to get. I got to take a chance because we're in a loaded SEC that, of course, is adding Texas and Oklahoma. I'll give you one more. What about Texas Tech? You understand that Texas Tech right now. Now, they made the Sweet 16 last year in the first year post-Chris Beard. But beyond that, this season they're terrible. Now, they've had injuries. Mark Adams, you you know, I I don't personally have an issue with Mark Adams. But they're tied for last place, as I record here, in the Big 12. They finish in last place this year. They finish in last place next year. They're going to be looking for a head coach. And I don't think it gets any easier next year when now you add Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati to the mix. Now, Central Florida, I don't know if Central Florida is going to put up much of a fight. But... The Big 12 is going to be tough again next year, going to be the best conference of college basketball next year. You mean to tell me if he finishes in ninth or 10th or 11th place in the Big 12 next year that Mark Adams is going to survive? Now, people say, oh, they'll never rehire Chris Beard. Really? Texas Tech wants to be good. He brought them to a level that the program has never been. So could I see Texas Tech hiring Chris Beard? I absolutely could. And so, again, we have to separate what should happen with what very likely will happen. And listen, we all, to some degree, whether you're a female yourself, and I know we have a lot of female listeners, I'm not trying to diminish your opinion, um, but we all have mothers, sisters, daughters, granddaughters. There's a difference between what should happen and what will happen. And I'm just saying, now that the charges are dropped, I do think Chris Beard is going to be a college basketball head coach probably pretty soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story started in 1967. In the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, so what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game and new users. How about this? Get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200 plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears. And I actually want to call a little bit of an audible here on the Aaron Torres pod. So obviously, when I opened the show, I said, we're going to do this segment. Notre Dame offensive coordinator. It's a debacle. They're trying to find the right guy to hire. And it's just been crazy. I did the segment. But what I want to do, we're not going to talk about that. I will put that segment on the Aaron Torres podcast YouTube page as a YouTube exclusive because there was more college hoops that I want to get to. 
and a couple results from the last couple days. Number one, Alabama lost to Tennessee. Don't know that there's huge takeaways there, but we'll discuss that one in a minute. Uh, and also some other results, you know, Texas A&M taking care of Arkansas. Marquette now alone in first place in the Big East, thanks to a win over Xavier. So a lot of interesting stuff that has happened over the last couple of days. With that said, though, there was one story that I do think is absolutely worth discussing and a result that is worth discussing. And it came on Thursday night in the lovely city of College Park, Maryland, back in my younger, youthful East Coast days, spent a few weekends in College Park. Don't have a ton of memories from those weekends for maybe some reasons you can probably guess. And I'm guessing there's a lot of college students that are not going to, they're going to wake up with a little bit of a headache today. That is because the Purdue Boilermakers walked into College Park, Maryland, hadn't played since Super Bowl Sunday. They lost on Super Bowl Sunday to Northwestern. Purdue was number one. They're now number three. I don't even think they're going to be number three anymore because after losing on Sunday to Northwestern, they go to Maryland and they get smacked across the face. Final score, 68 to 54. And let me just tell you this. Credit to Maryland. We'll talk about Maryland in a minute. But this is all about Purdue. And it is all about what I t- I've been telling you all year. I think they're a fine college basketball team. I think they're a good college basketball team. I've never bought into the, nar- the narrative that they're the best team in the country. I think they're destined once again to disappoint in the NCAA tournament. And I'm just going to say what nobody else will. Everybody else is trying to paint Matt Painter as this incredible basketball savant. I think the guy might be a little bit overrated, so let's get into it. Thursday night, College Park, and listen, I I don't need to get too much into the game, but Purdue was struggling coming into this one. They had lost two of their last three, lost at Indiana a few weeks ago, lost to Northwestern on Sunday, but this one was different. Both those games were close. Both those games were competitive. This one was largely not competitive. Now, I do think Maryland is uniquely built to give Purdue fits. They're smaller, they're faster, they're super athletic, they spread the floor, they shoot a lot of threes, but this one wasn't even competitive. Purdue loses by 14. Most of the second half was double figures, and what this comes down to is what I have been telling you all season long. People were acting like this is some crazy, huge, shocking upset. I have been saying from the beginning, I have been saying, I believe Purdue is a fine college basketball team, but I believe they are probably somewhere between like the 7th to 12th, 7th to 15th best team in college basketball. You can go back and listen to the tape. I get a lot of stuff right. I get a lot of stuff wrong. That's why we do Aaron right, Aaron wrong. I have been consistent on this Purdue thing. Let me just explain to you who Purdue is for people who do not watch them or have not watched them, okay? Seven foot three, incredible talent in Zach Eady down low. Probably your national player of the year. I I don't know if anybody's going to catch him. I think you could argue at this point there are players just as important to their roster. Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. Kansas is Jalen Wilson. But the point is, you know, in, in line to win the national player of the year, okay? Here's the problem with Purdue. Outside of him, they have a grand total of one player who averages more than double figures a game. That's freshman guard Fletcher Lawyer. And they have one player who averages more than five rebounds a game. That's Caleb first, a big man down low. So really, you take out Zach Eady. I don't even know if this is an NCAA tournament team. And let me take it a step further. They have no one consistent besides Zach Eady. They play two freshman guards in the backcourt, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. 
Neither of those guys is elite. We did our preseason or our midseason All-American teams and freshman All-American teams this past year. Both those guys are massive overachievers, but neither was ranked in the top like 85 of last year's high school class. So you have two freshman guards and neither of them is elite. This isn't Derrick Rose. This isn't John Wall. This isn't, um, you know, whoever. I'm just trying to think of other good freshman guards over the last couple of years. Tyus Jones, who led Duke to a national championship. Kyrie Irving when he was at Duke. These aren't those kinds of guys. So you have nothing consistent besides that. You need two freshman guards. And let me take it a step further. I don't think they have a surefire NBA player on their roster. Will Zach Eady maybe get a shot? Maybe. Is there somebody else that maybe develops into a pro at some point? Maybe. But I think it's far from certain that any of these guys ever see the court in the NBA. And so let me ask you one simple question. Does a team whose best player is a seven foot three center, and that's really it, nothing consistent around him, two guards that are freshmen, neither projected to go to the NBA. As a matter of fact, no one on the roster is projected to go to the NBA. Does that sound like a team that is going to win six straight games in March to you? No, it doesn't. And it goes back to what I've said all year. I think they're fine. I think they're good. I told you three or four days ago, I named a bunch of teams in college basketball that I thought were better built to win the tournament than them. UCLA, Baylor, Texas, Arizona, I think is better built to win in the tournament than they are. Um, Alabama. I think Houston is. I think Kansas is. That's already eight teams right there. You need me to keep going? That's the point, and that's the bottom line. And so I've never bought the hype, and I will say I think the hype has largely been generated by two things. One, they went to Portland and played in that PK-85 event. It was fun. It was great. Their, their big wins there were against Gonzaga and Duke. Here's the problem. Duke right now is unranked. Duke right now is fine. They're not elite, though, and they were even worse when Purdue played them. Oh, by the way, Gonzaga, we've talked about them a million times. Gonzaga is fine. They're not elite. I've tried to tell you since April they are not an elite team. And so when I look at why Purdue is ranked so high, they built up their out-of-conference resume off of that, and then let's call a spade a spade. The Big Ten isn't good this year. The Big Ten is always overrated, but the Big Ten is especially overrated this year. Outside of Purdue, who do you really like in the Big Ten? I'll tell you who I like. I actually think Indiana and my boy Mike Effin Woodson is good. Jalen hood Shafino is an NBA guard. Trace Jackson Davis is an incredible college basketball player, and they have three-point shooting around him. NBA guard, elite big man, three-point shooting, that is the key to success. I think this Maryland team has a chance to be very good in the tournament. Small, athletic, quick, spacing, ball movement, three-point shooting. Outside of that, look at this league. Michigan State's terrible. Iowa's terrible. Rutgers is 16 and 10. Michigan is 14 and 12. Wisconsin is 15 and 10. Illinois is all right, 17 and 8, but they've been up and down all year. This league is overrated, and Purdue is doing what they always do. They're taking advantage. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to, and this year there are more teams that they're supposed to beat than previous years. And so I've never bought into them. And let me take it a step further. I don't think this team is advancing beyond the Sweet 16. I think it's going to be another crushing loss for Matt Painter. And I'll say something that no one else in the media will say, and I'll get crushed for saying it. I think he's the most overrated coach in college basketball. I think he's really good. I think he's a developer of talent. I think he's got a keen eye for talent. 
But you listen to other people in the media talk about Matt Painter. They talk about him like he's, you know, Picasso. They, like, like he's John Wooden and Red Auerbach and Rick Pitino in his prime all rolled into one. Here is Matt Painter's resume, and I don't understand why I'm the only one that calls this guy out on it. He has, can you believe this? This is an incredible stat. I don't think people realize, okay? So he has been at Purdue for a while now. He has, to his credit, 12 top four finishes in the Big Ten. In theory, that's really good. Really consistent for a really long time. I'm not going to discredit him for that. But at the same time, come tournament, tighter schedule, narrower windows. You got to prep faster. You got to face different teams, different opponents. You don't have four days to get ready for a game. He has one Elite Eight, zero Final Fours, zero National Championships. And so it's not to say he's a bad coach. But the way people talk about, like, like if you ask most people, top five college basketball coaches, he's probably in there. What? For a bunch of sweet 16s and top four finishes and one elite eight? I'm sorry, I don't see it. And so maybe this is the year, but I, I, I don't think it is. And yes, some credit goes to his ability to develop, his ability to identify talent. That's fine. But if you're a great talent, like, like if you're sealing is being a top 15 team, but never really a threat. That's fine. But can we stop talking about you? Like you're a threat. Cause that's how I feel like it is. So I'm done with Purdue. I'm done crushing Purdue credit to Maryland, but I'm just telling you, this is, I'm planting my flag right now. Purdue will be out by the sweet 16. Once again, this year, I think Indiana is built to advance further than them really quickly. Maryland just want to give them a bunch of credit. Listen, I, I've done the Maryland spiel before. Maryland's kind of an amazing program. So for people of a certain generation, they were an elite program, and I don't think people realize this. This is an incredible stat. From 1994 until 2003, so a span of 10 years, 10 seasons, they made seven Sweet 16s and two Final Fours. That is unbelievable. That is how good this program can be, and it has never been that um, after Gary Williams retired in 2011. They bring in Mark Turgeon, and Mark Turgeon just, you know, you know what he reminds me of? Reminds me a little of Randy Edsel, the former UConn head coach, where everything is everybody else's fault. It's the Maryland can't win because they're in the Big Ten. They can't do this. They can't do that. It's like at some point it has to fall on the coach. He leaves. Kevin Willard comes in from Seton Hall, and they immediately upgrade. So credit to Maryland. I, I, I think they're a really good team. I think they're another team. I think that they can go potentially further than Purdue in this tournament. I don't know if they will, but I think it's possible. Credit to Maryland. Quickly, a few other scores from the last couple of days. Listen, number one, Alabama fell at Tennessee. Final score in Knoxville. Fun game, entertaining game. Not a lot of fouls called in that one. 68 to 59. Listen, I, I know everybody wants the, the, the Torres hot take. I don't think there is one. The game, listen, the game was in Knoxville. The game was called in a manner which very much favored Tennessee. Tennessee is maybe the most physical team in maybe all of college basketball. And it was just a battle and a war. And they could have called a foul on every play. They did finish with 37 total fouls. But it resulted with, you know, not a lot of... Uh, pro Alabama fans will tell you, and I'm not blaming Alabama fans. They'll tell you that there should have been more calls, blah, 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 this and that. It was called evenly both games. And so as somebody who has complained about SEC refereeing, I can't sit here and get mad because the referees called not as many fouls as you would like if they called it consistently. 21 fouls for Alabama, 18 for Tennessee. Tennessee takes 25 foul shots, Alabama 20. 
Bottom line, I thought Tennessee was the better team that day. And I think we all should have known something funny was going to happen when Tennessee coming off back-to-back losses was a three-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. And so I, I can't overreact. I think Alabama's going to be fine. They get Georgia at home on Saturday, and I think they're going to smack the you-know-what out of Georgia. Alabama's going to be fine. And if you're Tennessee, enjoy this one. But with the way that Alabama played, 35% shooting from the field, their worst effort of the game of the season, to go along with 19 turnovers, that's probably a game you probably should have won a little bit more. Tennessee finished with 15 more shot attempts and five more free throws. You actually would have liked to see Tennessee win a little bit more, but they get the win. Credit to them. Staying in the SEC. Listen, we'll talk about it with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Arkansas, man, you know, I really thought Arkansas was turning a corner. I really thought after the win at Rupp, they were in really good shape. They have now lost two straight, including at Texas A&M on, on Wednesday night. Want to give a little credit to Buzz Williams, though. Listen, Buzz Williams, I've said it on this show. We've talked about it. He's a really good basketball coach. And I think he and Texas A&M were more hurt by the 2021 COVID year. Remember, that was the year after COVID. We tried to play a season, but it was with all these restrictions. Buzz Williams is a culture guy. He's an accountability guy. He's a, you know, the, the term they use in basketball is he likes to have his hands on you. That's not a physical, literal thing. That's a metaphorical. He wants to coach you. He wants to be around you. And I thought that 2021 season was just a weird year overall. And that program actually shut down for about a month. They had a COVID pause for like three weeks. They had travel restrictions. There was a big ice storm that eliminated some games. And so I just bring it up because I always felt like they got set behind by that. They got hot last year. Uh, They struggled early in this season, but now they're rolling. They beat Arkansas. They're now 11 and two in SEC play. And with what, five games left in league play, they've all really but wrapped up a top four seed in uh, Nashville for the SEC tournament. They get the win. And I'm, I'm just telling you, Buzz Williams is that dude. Listen, the stats I love on Buzz Williams came from Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech had never made three straight NCAA tournaments when before Buzz Williams. Year three, four, five, they made three straight tournaments. Before that, Marquette, he was at Marquette, made a Sweet 16 in his final year, an Elite Eight the year before. So two Sweet 16s in an Elite Eight. Marquette has not won a tournament game since he left. Buzz Williams is great. Congrats to him. Arkansas fans, I get your worries. Plenty of time for Arkansas to get things right. They have not been the same post return, you know, last two games since they uh since they beat uh Kentucky at Rupp Arena. Arkansas fans, I get your worries. Really quickly, Kentucky, you know, took care of business against Mississippi State. There's nothing to say. They got to win more. That was a quad one win for them. That's a big win, but none of it really matters if they don't take care of business at home against Tennessee this weekend. Kentucky still has Tennessee and Auburn at home, Florida and Arkansas on the road. Listen, I'm not smart enough to know what they have to do to lock in an NCAA tournament bid. I would say you're probably going to want to go three and one in those four games, though, to put yourself in really good position. You go two and two, one and four. Not to mention, you also have, uh, you know, a couple other games mixed in there. You have a game against Vanderbilt at home that you better win. Um, If you're Kentucky, you better get that victory. So bottom line with Kentucky, I'm not going to go too crazy. I actually thought Mississippi State, Chris Jans coached his you-know-what off. They played so hard. He did everything he could defensively, could not hold on for the win, but I give them a ton of credit. Uh, Marquette, 
How about the Marquette Golden Eagles? They beat Xavier late. It was a wild game. They win by one. They now have a one-game lead in the Big East with three games to go, or with five games to go, excuse me. They still have at Creighton next week. That is going to be a big one. Creighton right now is tied for second place. There's a three-way tie, Creighton, Providence, and Xavier. Creighton wins that game. They will be tied for first place against Marquette. If Marquette wins that game, they're probably winning the Big East regular season title. And finally, uh, Creighton and Providence played a thriller the other day. Uh, Providence wins in double overtime. All right, so what I want to do? I do want to take a quick break. Like I said, that football segment will push it to the Aaron Torres podcast YouTube page, and instead we'll wrap with America's favorite podcast segment, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Quick break. A lot of college hoops right there. Sorry, Purdue fans. It's the truth. Quick break. Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Be right back. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And what I want to do very quickly before we get Aaron right, Aaron wrong is how we wrap every Friday show. Fun way to wrap the week. There was a a piece of sad news that I just want to acknowledge before going out on a little bit of a lighter fun note with Aaron right, Aaron wrong. And that was the passing on Thursday of another sports media icon, in Tim McCarver. Okay. So two, three weeks ago, we talked about Billy Packer. Billy Packer was the voice for a generation and change two, three generations really of college basketball fans. And Tim McCarver was the same for baseball. Okay. So Tim McCarver, mid nineties, early nineties, late nineties into the two thousands. He really was the voice of major league baseball and the voice of major league baseball's big games playoff series, World Series at a time where baseball seemed to be so big. It mattered so much. I'll tell you a quick side story. Uh, I went back this this summer and watched that six, seven part Derek Jeter documentary on ESPN. It was excellently done. I really enjoyed it. But why I bring it up is because basically every big moment of Derek Jeter's career, one of the great careers in baseball history, Tim McCarver is right alongside uh, calling the games. He's part of all of those big moments. And so it speaks to the fact of how big he was that you go back and watch the the Yankees versus the Braves. You talk about, um, you know, the Yankees versus the Diamondback. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Tim McCarver was there. And I think it speaks to how good he was at his job. One, like Billy Packer, was never afraid to, um, you know, was never afraid to say anything unpopular. But two, I think it speaks to how popular he was, or or not popular, how good he was at his job that really we're probably, what, 10, 12 years removed from his retirement. I don't know that he's ever really been replaced with one main voice in Major League Baseball as far as a color commentator, right? Alex Rodriguez has kind of done some stuff for ESPN. John Smoltz has been in the booth. There's been a lot of different guys. Nobody has quite replaced Tim McCarver. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. I want to end on a light note, and I know it's going to be a little bit of a clunky transition from very serious Tim McCarver to much lighter Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, but wanted to acknowledge it. No, we got a lot of people about my age, late night, you know, uh, uh, you know, mid thirties, early thirties, late thirties, early forties, whatever. And if you watch baseball at all during the nineties and two thousands, it'd be hard not to know the name Tim McCarver. All right. Serious topic done. Let's transition and let's get out of here on a much lighter topic. And that is the final segment of every Friday show. Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. By now, you know the drill. 
This segment stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does every single week where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Uh, and I stole it for the Aaron Torres pod, right? I stole it for the Aaron Torres pod for one simple reason. Well, two simple reasons. One, it's a great segment. And two, I feel like this is a fun way to wrap the week because in general, on this show, on radio, on social media, on podcasting, whatever, nobody likes to give out more sports hot takes than your boy Torres. And so because of it, we wrap every single week with Aaron right, Aaron wrong, going through some of my best takes of the week, but also some of my worst, right? If I'm going to take the victory lap every time I get something right, I got to acknowledge when I get something wrong. So let's wrap the week. Fun note, light note, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So I'll be honest, about this time last week, I saw everybody picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. And I don't want to say that I didn't understand it, but what I thought was, one, that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl, and it was because of largely how the game played out. They had the better quarterback. Now, Jalen Hurts was awesome. So they, I'm not saying Philly lost because of Jalen Hurts, but the better quarterback, the more experienced head coach, and more importantly, the experience of losing this game two years ago. And what I said on last Friday's show, I said, look, I don't know how exactly the game's going to play out, but if you go back to two years ago, when Kansas City played Tampa in the Super Bowl, they simply weren't ready. They thought it was a coronation. They thought it was a formality. And so I said, even in this game, even if they fall down, they're going to bounce back. They're going to rally. They're going to figure out a way. I just don't see Mahomes losing two Super Bowls in a row. So credit to Kansas City. By the way, credit to Andy Reid. We didn't really talk about it on Monday's show. I thought he largely outcoached Nick Sirianni in the second half. Not to say that Nick Sirianni choked the, the, the Super Bowl away or anything like that, but better head coach, better quarterback, better not across the board team, but they get the win. Credit to the Kansas City Chiefs, your Super Bowl champ just like I told you they would be, where Aaron was wrong. Well, if I'm going to take a credit for the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, I also got to take the biggest L ever uh, for, I got to take the biggest L ever for the fact that I picked them to miss the playoffs in the preseason. Now, in my defense, well, there really is no defending it, but my logic was two things. One, I thought the division was going to be a lot tougher. Russell Wilson of the Denver Broncos felt great on paper. Josh McDaniels with Derek Carr in Las Vegas felt great on paper. Turns out they were both duds. Turns out Brandon Staley is still the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, so that kind of eliminates them from being a serious contender. And oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes is still great. I also thought the impact of Tyreek Hill not having him would be felt. Instead, I actually think it was the exact opposite. I think in many ways they were better without him because they had to play kind of more structured, more disciplined. They couldn't just throw the ball 60 yards downfield and hope for the best. So credit Kansas City Chiefs with the Super Bowl victory. But I'll tell you, I got to take the L on this one because I had them not even making the playoffs in the preseason. Oh, what was I thinking? Shame on me. Where Aaron was right. All right, so on Wednesday's show, we talked about the fact that everybody's talking Pac-12 expansion. Is it SMU? Is it UNLV? Is it San Diego State? And I said, do your homework, dig into the details, forget expansion. I don't know if this conference is going to exist in two or three years because right now they don't have a TV deal. Why do I bring it up? Well, Wednesday, the day I dropped the show, we got a report from Brett McMurphy, Action Network, that CBS and Turner have both officially pulled out of the Pac-12 sweepstakes in terms of getting their bid or getting their, their rights to broadcast their games. So at this point, if you're keeping score at home, 
CBS is out. Turner is out. Fox basically is all set. They have the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Mountain West. The Mountain West will take care of most of their West Coast late night needs. And remember, UCLA and USC are now in the in the in the mountain or in the uh Pacific time zone as well. So late night games could be played there as well. And outside of that, Notre Dame is set with the Big Ten and Notre Dame. Or and NBC is set with the Big Ten and Notre Dame. And so I bring it up because yes. I believe that the Pac-12 could get a deal done, probably with ESPN, because ESPN needs late-night inventory. The question is, are they going to get the money that they want? And if they don't get the money that they want, are some of these schools going to go east to be part of the Big 12? End of day, it's too early to know, but I think the Pac-12 is much closer to falling apart than people realize. I really think Pac-12 has until the end of basketball season to present its schools a real contract for real money, real dollar amounts, or they're at risk of losing some of those schools to the Big 12. We talked about it on Wednesday. Probably the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado, The they, they call them the corner schools, the four corner schools. Oregon and Washington, you know, are looking out for their own best interests. I just bring it up to say, man, I would be very wary of the Pac-12, CBS, and Turner officially out. Where Aaron was wrong. So we talked about it to lead the show. I said when Chris Beard was arrested, and I said when Chris Beard was fired, I said, I do not think this guy will ever coach college basketball again. Well, charges were dropped on Wednesday, and I have already heard personally from about two, three fan bases that really want this guy to become their head coach. Now, fans don't make hires, and I understand every fan just wants to win, but it brings me back to the fact that at some point, some AD is going to give this guy a chance because his track record is too good. Again, there's a difference between what I would do, there's a difference between what I think is right, and there is a difference between what I think will happen, and I think what will ultimately happen is that Chris Beard will be coaching again, probably not this coming season, but the following one. We will wait and see, but I think his career as a college basketball coach is far from over. I was dead wrong on Chris Beard. Really quickly, where Aaron was right, a few months ago, Creighton basketball was a disaster. Okay, they lost six straight games, including a game that I was at in Vegas. It was actually the day Chris Beard got arrested. Creighton, Arizona State, I was at that game. Why do I bring it up? After the game, Creighton had lost six straight games. And Creighton, remember, Big East preseason favorite, top 10 team in the country. I asked their head coach, Greg McDermott, at the press conference. I said, coach, are you starting to get worried? And I'll tell you. He really seemed calm. And what he said was, listen, we're without our All-American center, Ryan Kalkbrenner. At the time, he was out with a non-COVID illness. And he said, let's worry about getting him back and getting healthy, and let's see what happens. Well, fast forward, and Creighton's awesome. Yes, they are coming off a loss to Providence, but overall, they have won 9 of 10, 10 of 13, and they are in position to potentially win the Big East. Now, that they got to play Marquette next week. Marquette's currently in first place. But Creighton could go from six straight losses to the Big East regular season championship. I told you when it happened. Get Ryan Kalkbrenner healthy. He is as important as any player in college basketball to his team, and that's exactly what happened. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. Listen, I got to take an L on this. When Arkansas won at Rupp Arena last week, I said, oh, Arkansas's back, and I was holding up the big pig invasion shirt, and I told you everything was going to be fine because they always figure things out in February. Well, since that game, they lost at home to Mississippi State. 
and they lost on the road to Texas A&M, and they are very much on the bubble picture in the NCAA tournament. Listen, sometimes it's just not your year, and I'm starting to think this just might not be Arkansas's year. It doesn't appear as though there's some magic fix, and I think more importantly, Nick Smith Jr. coming back, it was the right decision to bring him back, but it's clear that things aren't quite the same as they try to adjust to having him back. Now, the good news is, You added a potential lottery pick, and if he eventually plays up to his potential by, I don't know, you know, first week of March, second week of March, conference tournament, NCAA tournament, it gives you a much higher ceiling. The question, of course, becomes if you can even get to the tournament, but more importantly, if you get there, what kind of seed will you have? And right now with the way Arkansas is playing, you have to start worrying about making the tournament and seeding. So yes, I did say Arkansas had all the answers. They're the team of February, but I am officially worried about them. All right, with that said, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Before I leave, I want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribed. Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, We are approaching 21K subscribers. Really could use your support there. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure to rate and review the show, by the way. Go on Apple. Give us a quick five stars. Really does help us move up those Apple charts. Uh, And make sure you're following on social. At Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. At Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Have a good weekend, everybody. Shout out to Torrent Cream. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you FN. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Monday, and you know it'll be a great episode. Aaron Torres Pop. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply